my fellow human beings, this is Roots. You're listening to the Live Free Podcast with Mike Maxwell. Peace. What's up, ladies and gentlemen? Thanks to uh, Christopher Kuoha, Kuoha for this week's intro. It sounds like a Hawaiian name. Kuoha. I wonder how, how well I pronounced it. Anyway, thanks, Christopher, for doing today's intro. I appreciate it. Of course, if you want to hear your intro on the podcast, just send me a uh, an MP3 or send me a video message via Facebook, and uh, you too could do the intro. Um Today's guest is my old pal, Mr. Joshua Clay. He and I uh, have known each other for uh, like seven years or something now. Um, we worked on this uh, cool mural project with a, a group of artists um, for a Nine Inch Nails project. And uh, we, we take the time and talk about that. We also talk about Steady by Jerks, Trent Reznor, Cultural Connections, Day of the Dead Art, Huey Newton, Huey Lewis, The Collegiate Tricks. The Occupy Movement, Carlos Barnes, Taking Back Public Space, The Wealthy Naivete, Money Laundering Food Stamps, Perpetrating Nonsense, Power Drunk, and Evolution Over Revolution. So, as always, make sure you go check out the website, MikeMaxWire.com. Click on the blog and you'll get all the information about each guest that's been on the show and all the yada, yada, yada. You can go over there and donate to the podcast if you feel so inclined. Um, just click on the PayPal link and you'll, it'll connect you to the PayPal donation page and you can drop some Skrill in there. You can follow the podcast at Live Free Podcast on Twitter. If you want to follow me on Twitter, I'm at Mike Maxwell Art. This episode is sponsored by the lovely Individual Clothing. Uh, you can check out their stuff at indvsl.com. Uh, I think they got some new stuff out uh, maybe they should be sending us a new a new set of things. What's up, Daryl? You gonna um, you gonna revamp the uh, the stock of of new individual stuff? I heard uh, previous guest Brett Amory uh, did a shirt for them, and I think a, a bunch of new stuff came out. So uh, go check out their website, and you can see all that stuff. Uh, okay, I think that's it. Plug anything? Donate to the podcast. All right, with all that said, ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, Mr. Joshua Clay. All right, let's give Joshua a call. Let's try to give Joshua a call. There we go. Hey, what's up, man? Can you hear me? Yeah, what's up, Joshua? Let me um, get my camera on. Alright, cool, cool. You I have a camera, fast. but I don't have it hooked up right now. Okay, that's fine. I only need the audio. The camera is just so I could... It's a little easier to have the conversation, but that's okay. Yeah. We can adapt. It'll be like a phone call. Yeah, I, I have it, but uh, I mean, I could try and hook it up. But... Nah, it's not that big deal. I would like to see your face, though, fucker. I haven't seen it in a while. I know, it's been a while, right, dude? Yeah, I was trying to, th- I was trying to figure the last time we saw one. It must have been the Distinction Show. Um, yeah, maybe. Yeah, it's been a while. Last time you were down here in SD. Yeah. How's everything? Good, man. Good. Things are, you know, steady by jerks, I guess. <laughs> what did you, you know? say? 
Steady by Jerks. Steady by Jerks. I don't know that I've ever heard that. Oh, um, uh, no. My mom uses that a lot. Are you from Are you from back east, right? I know you were just in yeah. Chicago. Did you pick up some Chicago accent? No, no, no. I'm, well, I'm from, uh, I'm from Michigan originally, so it's probably a little bit of... Oh, uh, yeah. You got the Great Lakes. Yeah, northern Michigan, too, so it's closer to Canada, so... I just, um, I just did this really cool project with uh, some cats from um, Quebec. Nice. Some French Canadians. They came down here and did uh, this uh, this painting project at the San Diego Art Fair. And I'm hoping it was super rad to work with, which will sort of lead me into what I want to talk to you about. Um, but this super rad group of guys that are guys and gals that do this like big collaborative project. But they're going to Miami this year. I'm hopefully going to go paint with them. But um, you and I met sort of along those same lines uh, in terms of like getting grouped up into a, a, a art project and getting to know one another, right? Yeah, 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 totally. Pro- uh, yeah, that uh, that Nine Inch Nails thing, right? That was pretty much. I think that was the first time I met you. Yeah, and I I've, I've talked about it on the show before. I've had Johnny Command Z on the show. Yeah. And I also talked to uh, Ben Ein about it. Because uh, he actually it was in Shoreditch and has a studio in that area. Oh, nice. Where, of course, I talked about how the mural that we all worked on got jacked. Yeah, it disappeared. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I, I asked him about it. I don't know. You could go back and find the Ben, the ben Ein episode. And I asked him about it, and he sure seems to sound like he knows oh, what was really? up with it, but didn't... <laughs> He didn't divulge any information, you know what I mean? Yeah, 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 yeah. That's awesome, though. Yeah. I just, um, it's funny that all that Nine Inch Nails stuff, I just went back and started listening to the the Year Zero album again, and I went and played yeah. some of the videos, which uh, you guys are in one of them. I forget what... Which... Yeah, I saw you tag one on my Facebook or something. Uh-huh. That uh, It's amazing that uh, even, I guess, what, like five years out now? The, the cultural relevance still of all of that stuff is is even more so. It seems even more relevant than it did in, like, the Back Bush then, era. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it's like he's ahead of his time. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty wild. And you know, I guess they, they made a, a television show out of that shit or That's something? what I heard, yeah. I don't I never saw it, but I, I guess it, or, or they were planning on doing one on HBO. I don't know if it ever got off the ground or what. I don't know. I, I If you Google it, there seems to be things that pop up, but... I, I don't have HBO anyway, so I don't know. Yeah, me neither. So you just recently moved uh, to Portland, right? Well, let's, let's start from from the get-go. You grew up in the uh, Michigan area. Michigan area, yeah. And you've been, I mean, I know you via the, the artwork that you make, I guess, initially. Like we said, we met do, doing an art project. Did... Um, did you go to art school? What was some of the what was some of the things that led you to doing art full time? Yeah, I went to uh, I went to the media art or uh, to the Illinois Institute of Art in Chicago for media arts and animation first, and I was there for like a year and a half or something. And I just it was just too much computer work. It wasn't like I'm more of like a painter kind of guy. I like to be painting and moving paint around and stuff. So I transferred to the uh, College for Creative Studies in Detroit, which is where like Glenn Barr went and stuff like that, and did a uh, illustration there and I got into like my junior year and like uh had some family issues with with uh my dad not being able to keep a job and stuff so I ended up dropping out and uh that's when I moved to California did you did you always have the aspirations of doing art as a as a way of life 
not really to be honest i like i always wanted to do like animation or something you know because i just like always loved cartoons and like you know even like computer animation and stuff but i don't know art just came easy and it was like there was always a demand for that and I, i always had like commissions in my you know email box and stuff so it was just like you know instead of fighting against the current so to speak i just kind of went with the current and just you know was just trying to make the most of the art thing do you uh do you see some of the correlations between your interest in animation and like the fine art stuff that you make obviously what you make is what you make but uh in terms like it's funny that you say that like your interest in obviously i guess one of the main interests in animation would be the fact that it moves and talks and does things besides just sitting still but do you try to translate some of that stuff over into the fine art? Like, the, I know movement is a big thing for you, right? Yeah, I try to translate as much as I can. A lot of it, too, is just, is, uh, it's just like, being able to tell a story and, like, not be so uh, finite about it being, like, you know, a realistic person. Have it be more of, like, a characterized person so that, like, it's easier to relate with. You know what I mean? Because if, like, if you paint, like, a picture of a man and a woman, like, arguing at a bar for example like you're not going to be able to relate to like that man and that woman unless like you know they they wear similar clothes as you if they have tattoos like you if they have you know so that that image the the message of that image would get lost on a lot of people it would only really be relevant to like a small population whereas like when you it's it always seems to me when you use like characterize like imitations of life and just like more people can relate to it because it's not so like finite it's just like you know, it's like you can relate to the person. Yeah, I think that's a that's an interesting concept. I think um, I I sort of relate that to how I I mean I do a lot of pretty straightforward portraiture, and there's a lot of those issues around like uh, a, a collector base. Like if they don't have any sort of cultural connection to that figure right. or that culture, then maybe there's a less likelihood of them having any sort of interest in it. But I think yeah. when I switched to doing, like, like taking race out of portraiture and, like, doing all blue portraits, for instance, like, nice. yeah, yeah. changing the the perspective on, in in some unnatural, so seemingly unnatural way that allowed for a, maybe a better response in that, that's, that, like, connectivity to, to a culture. But then... Yeah. On the other, the flip side of that coin, though, we, we often, and this, it's funny, we're coming up on, is it Halloween today? Uh, no, no, I, I think Monday is Halloween. Yeah. Uh, I made this post about, uh, if, uh, <laughs> something about, uh, if, if you're not performing a, uh, Day of the Dead ceremony, we don't really need any more Day of the Dead art. And <laughs> I was sort of making a comment on how every Halloween and, Day of the no, you know, Day of the Dead is November second. Uh, that we see these art shows pop up, and it seems yeah. like it's more about like people like that kitschiness of that, and they just yeah. want that it's sellable. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I think it definitely it. You know, I mean, and you can look at a lot of the artists, like you know, not to drop names, but like Sylvia G, who does a lot of that kind of work, who like her her like cultural heritage isn't even isn't even in that. It's just like she's just like doing that i don't know i feel like she's just doing that because it's like hip and like cool right now where like i feel like it's you're a lot more honest of an artist if you're you know really doing something that is like relevant to you and your situation than just being like oh i'm gonna paint like skulls on girls faces because like 
they do that in Mexico. Like, yeah, what? it's it's, <laughs> it's interesting that adaptation of culture because I mean, there's there's from one perspective you could say like I you know if I go paint a black person, I may not have a direct connection to that culture, but maybe there's something in it that I want to say. But uh, you know, it tends yeah. to not I'd be an integral you'd focus. Have use, you'd have to use an example that's a little more specific, like Black Panthers, right? Because it's like. The, the day the day of the dead thing is very, is a very specific thing within a culture so like you'd have to make an ex a, a case of an no. example of like yeah you know, like more specific totally if I wanted to go paint um, like Black Panther art or yeah something. I was gonna call uh, the uh, I was gonna call him Huey Lewis and that would have sounded so bad what's the uh, the founding father the Black Which, Panthers oh Huey oh. Newton Huey Newton right. I think so. Yeah, one it, of one of the founders. I Hugh, I was listening to Huey Lewis in the news like last week. I went on this big fix of like weird '80s music. Nice from my childhood, and I've never I've always been like that. You know when people think like '80s music is cool because it's like a thing to be cool yeah. about it. Like, yeah. I always sort of defied that and was like against it. Yeah. But lately, there's been something in it that has been intriguing to me. I don't know quite how to explain uh -huh. it. So you went through the schooling system. What uh, what was some of the the stuff that you did once you got done with your education? Were you were you focused on doing gallery work? Were you trying to do Were you trying yeah. to do the animation thing? I tried to do the illustration thing at first. You know, like uh, I I did like a children's book. I illustrated a children's book and like, you know, I had a couple of little gallery shows. But uh, what really kind of set me on the fine art thing was like, I lived in northern Michigan for like you know, maybe six months after I dropped out of art school and was just like, uh, trying to figure out what the hell I was going to do with my life because I kind of felt like my life was over because I couldn't get, I couldn't finish my education, you know? And like, there was just like, they, like, you know, to begin with art school has this, and all schools have this little trick where they like give you a certain amount of financial aid, like when you're a freshman and then less when you're a sophomore, less when you're a junior, <laughs> and then like barely any when you're a senior, which is kind of bullshit because it's like, they get you in there for a few years and make some money off of you. And then it's almost like, oh, well, we don't really care if you graduate or not. We, you know, we already made $40,000 off of you. Right. But anyways, enough of that. Sorry. I just, ah, so, so angry about the education system. No, uh, well, I mean, I think that's an interesting point. Like a lot of times if these things are happening and if someone devises some, some plan somewhere down the line, some board meeting, some, some board member comes up with this plan to, to fuck students to raise money you got i, yeah. I think that shit should be that's recognized. like yeah well just on that topic for a second like those art institute schools the ones that are all over the country the what you know the art institutes yeah ai the art institute schools yeah well i went to one of those for media arts and animation first and it was like one of these things where there's like 400 freshmen and then by by like or sophomore year they cut it down to like 150 and then by sophomore or junior year they cut it down to like 50 and then by senior year they cut it down to like 25 and they do that intentionally. They let people in that should not be going to that school to begin with just to get some money out of them. And you can tell, like, they have so much facilities for, like, freshman year people. And then, like, as you get deeper into the school, there's less and less classrooms for, like, the higher higher grades, less and less teachers because they don't they never plan on having those 400 people make it all the way to senior year. They know that, but they need that money. They want that money from all those extra students. You know what I mean? Yeah, it makes perfect sense because you know that out of 400 people, there's only going to be – five good artists yeah exactly right yeah we had we had people in our class that'd be like could you could you show us a trick on how to draw feet like start with a kite 
And uh, it's like, what? You need a trick on how to draw something? Like, you shouldn't be here in art school if you need to, to, to like, rely on tricks to yeah. draw stuff. Right. You know? You should just be able to be like, okay, well, let's just look at this foot and start drawing it. And, you know, like, another perspective of that, it's kind of nice, too, because so many, you, you hear so many times, like, artists who are really, like, proficient artists that are working, a lot of times they drop out of art school. Yeah, like one like Ekendayo, for instance. I don't know oh, what yeah, his totally. if exactly what his circumstances are, but I mean, while we worked on that project in London, he was still going to Art Center. But meanwhile, he's already doing gallery shows. He's doing yeah. these commissions and these you know these cool things, these cool projects. And I I had said to him, I was like, "You're already working. What uh, yeah. what exactly are you going to school for?" And I think a lot of times maybe. People do the full four years, so maybe they could teach afterwards. I don't know. Maybe that's yeah. naive because I didn't go to art school. I think that people have this like misconception with arts art school type stuff too, where they like think that your degree is gonna gonna matter. Like I've never had anyone ask me for my degree. You know what I mean? And like I've done a lot of work, like music industry work and all kinds of stuff. And like you know, nobody, especially in like a creative field, nobody really cares if you have a degree or not. They care that you can do the job. You it know, seems like, it seems more and more so that even you know out in the regular world, but outside of the art world, that those degrees are becoming less and less influential because everybody has them. That's true too. Yeah, to and a certain you extent. Meet, you meet so many people nowadays like that that went to school for like economics and are like the head of like whatever company that's totally opposite from economics. You know what I mean? Like people go to go to college for things like. We had like the, the the president of Pixar or something come to our school one time, and he was like, he worked at like a nuclear plant before he worked at Pixar. It's like how do, how the hell do you make that transition from like working at a nuke plant? Like he was like an engineer at a nuclear facility, and then he applied for a job at Pixar and got it as like the CEO or something. That's I mean, I guess bizarre. business smarts or something, but it's just like seems like a really crazy leap. Yeah, I guess if you could pull in the the dollars on the the bottom end, you're you're fine. Yeah, indeed. As long as you're profitable, yeah. and that's uh, that's something that carries over into the art world as well. Yeah, so it's, uh, it's it, the gallery system is not that that old of a system, and I, I talk I talk a lot about this a lot, like totally trying to change the system, which yeah. seems to be a sort of cultural phenomenon that's taking place right now with the with the Occupy movement that's that's going on. It seems like a a lot more people are taking notice of what's happening around them. Yeah, I think it's healthy. That's why I like when uh, when that Occupy uh, Wall Street thing happened. Like, I was immediately on Twitter and and like googling like Occupy Portland to try and figure out if there would be an Occupy Portland. And like, I was like one of the twenty members that helped start Occupy Portland. And we now have like we have like fifteen thousand people that come out to protests and stuff. And wow, it's pretty insane. Well, let's let's talk about that a little bit. I I haven't heard much about the the Portland wing, and I I would assume that part of that has to be uh, that it must be going well if we're not hearing much. I know I I you had posted an article about um, Mayor Samuel Adams, which yeah, Sam how Adams. appropriate of a name, right? Yeah, um, totally. That he was in sort of he said it in a very political sort of manner, but basically. Stating that he's not in any rush to remove the, yeah. the tent city that is that is formed for for the occupation. And let me talk to you about this real quick. Um, 
the type of phrases that get used sometimes are pretty wild. Like, have you thought much about even the the use of the word occupation? Yeah, yeah, totally. Like a you know, like a military occupation. Uh huh. Yeah, totally. Which I think that's what it should. I mean, you know, I think this country needs that. It needs the people. Which and the interesting thing for the the whole idea of the occupation is like these are American citizens who already inhabit this land. Yet where we 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 have come to a point in our history where we feel the need to like reclaim our public spaces that uh. have been like privatized and like you know you'll people you'll get kicked out of a public park after like midnight or whatever yet like some rich dude that lives in the condo across the street is walking his dog through that same park and he doesn't get any guff about it you know yeah i like that angle it's almost as if we we really are occupying as opposed to this being our land anymore yeah because well everything's been privatized even like I know in the Midwest, all, like, the freeways and stuff, like, the major freeways that go through, like, Indiana, Michigan, Wisconsin, Ohio, Minnesota, have all been, like, sold off to countries in Europe. Or, like, you know, like, management firms and stuff that bought these highways, and they bought all the toll roads and everything, and, and like, you know, we still, use, we still, as American citizens, pay to use these toll roads, and it was our, like, ancestors that, like, paved these roads yet like some asshole in washington dc or in whatever state can decide to oh we're just going to sell these freeways off even though they're property of the you know of the american people yeah it's almost as if there there actually is no more sort of public property oh, hold on my sorry i forgot to Go unplug ahead. my phone it's a junk phone call too yeah some collection agency hunting down carlos barnes Oh man! Yeah, no Carlos Barnes lives here, motherfuckers. That's and they'll they'll, they'll never believe you. Like I hate that. I had I had a situation with that too, where they never believe that you're not that person or that you don't know where that person is. Yeah, like, it's a, well, just give us a forwarding address. Like I don't even know who this person is. And it, they in the it's bullshit that they even pretend that because they all know that they just get some random list that just has a, oh, yeah, an exactly. initial and a last name, yeah. and then they tr- they. Just get that. It's an auto dialer that just dials that shit, and the name pops up on the screen. I want to smash those people in the face. <laughs> I know. Try to be crazy. Too. So yeah, but the idea that we no longer have public property, almost, and yeah. I think that that debate has been raised in in my peripheral view for a long time in the graffiti and like that street art movement, which yeah. now has been sort of co opted into like. A cliche branding thing but yeah, yeah. at the time uh, you know at its start it was really like an issue of taking back public space whereas w- the majority of public space is now privatized like you say and not only is it privatized but it's used for corporate marketing yeah you know so we're, we're not only the space is being sold to some entity that pretends to be human but yeah. they're also fucking sending out subliminal messages virtually in getting you to buy their products. And that goes back to that thing you were talking about. Like if there's like within marketing, there's that underlining intent of getting you to spend your money, even, you know, using psychology, using a lot of different methodologies that maybe the average fucking consumer is not paying attention to. Oh, yeah, totally. And yeah, so, well, if you don't if you don't like have some kind of concern or like or like quest for knowledge to like understand marketing and stuff it, it's completely without you know it's completely outside of your realm of understanding like somebody like my mom who's like an awesome woman she's like a rn and everything but she doesn't know the first thing about like marketing or 
I mean, shit, a lot of, you know, home loans, how the banking system works, how the economy works, you know, like, and there's so many people like that. And it's sad because it's like, it almost perpetuates this like shitty system that we have because like, you know, I don't know. I, I think one of the funniest things that, I, that I've learned coming out of this like Occupy movement is people get so fired up if you like say anything negative about capitalism, even though like our like psycho capitalism that we have going on is like doomed to fail because it's based on infinite growth. And like, unless we colonize another planet within the next 20, 30 years, I don't understand how infinite growth is going to, can, can maintain, you know, like there's only so many trees you can cut down. Yeah. Isn't it weird how the people who we look up to as being typically like the smartest, like entrepreneurs of the world, like that they're so naive to what could become of of their actions it's almost like there's yeah. a total disconnect and that actually brings up a topic that i was posting about on facebook today too um i got in line behind this dude at the grocery store this morning he he had must have been 12 cases oh, I read that. <laughs> of, of soda uh in his cart and i got behind him and he was like there was like an issue with the teller like they couldn't do something there was some sort of issue and i was like Oh, he must have like a fucking grip of coupons, and right. he's just gonna buy these sodas at a discount and resell them. I was like, well, you know, good for you, whatever you, whatever you're doing. So I get up to the front, I was like, and I talk to the girl at the register, and I say, you know, is the, that guy was probably buying those sodas to resell them, huh? And she she says to me, she looks at me and says, yeah, he just bought them with food stamps too. And I was like, <laughs> what the fuck? Now this is like a fifty year old Middle Eastern man. And he had a nice, nice clothes on, nice sunglasses. Did not look like he was in need of food stamps. Yeah. And had I not known that he had got the food stamps, I would have never thought twice about it. But so now I realize that he's taking welfare, purchasing a bunch of goods using this this fake money, turning around. Most likely, you know, obviously this, I'm being culturally sort of. Uh, insensitive by in like assuming that he owns a liquor store but right. based on <laughs> but it's probabilities there is i would say greater than 50 percent those those sodas were going to be sold in in some sort of retail market of some sort At right yeah so he's basically almost he's basically money laundering welfare he's basically money laundering food stamps yeah and yet this shit just goes on so i was like well fuck that you know, like, because I understand at the same point, and in posting this today, I, I realized I probably sounded sort of like conservative, like people, there should be welfare reform. I yeah. clearly understand that there's a definite need for people to have food stamps so that they could afford food to survive. Like, right. like single mothers who are working two jobs to try to support three kids, you starving know, starving artists. <laughs> sure, sure, right. And like people who are really actually trying to survive and are not using yeah. it to fuck the system. So I went over to him and I was like, hey man, you're fucking the system right now by doing what you're doing. And he looked at me with like a smirk and, and told me thank you. <laughs> and I was like, you fucking scumbag, I should go over there and fucking jack your sodas right now. Yeah. And I really wish I would have actually well, now, what, but but the only problem is like, what would that accomplish? You know? No, I know. Then that's my problem. That's something I need to work I think on that, myself. I think that the bigger question that needs to be asked is like, what kind of shitty ass bullshit system do we live in where like it perpetuates this kind of nonsense? Like, there's so much nonsense up and down the like system with people like trying to work the system every which way because they just can't get by, you know, otherwise or or that or you know again. Our leaders, our political leaders, sure. 
are defrauding, you know, America and shit. And it's just like setting a bad example. So it's like, why, why am I amazed when I see that we have such shitty, um, you know, other Americans that pull crap like this? And, yeah, it's, it's definitely people being led by example, you know? Yeah, I don't, I mean, like, again, I, you can't, I mean, I, and I'm, I'm not obviously trying to blame it all on, like, the government or anything, but I just feel like that's a huge disconnect there where it's just, like, you know, if you're in a leadership role, even if it's, like, even if you're, like, the president of, of Chase Bank, I feel like if you're in a leadership role, you should, you should be held to, like, a, like, the same standard as everybody else or a little bit higher standard, right? Like, every leader throughout history you know, every great leader, like, holds themselves to some sort of honor or, like, standards, you know, except for except for ours now in the 21st century. Has there been any great leaders, though? I, well, I guess it depends who you ask. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> right. it almost seems like ultimate power ultimately corrupts or whatever the, the cliche is, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, maybe, and, and back to the Nine Inch Nails thing, there's that line, it's like, about how there, I don't know about I'm paraphrasing, but there's a line about having power and like how could you know what it's even like if you've never experienced it? Yeah. So it's like, what happens at that power level? Like, does that does that knowledge of control over that many human beings do yeah, like something to the brain? Yeah, does it does it fuck up the brain somehow? Fuck up the like just automatically create a sociopath? Yeah, it might, and you, I mean, or it just, or it just opens up that doorway, and it's, it's really like your own personal choice whether you walk through it or not. So, what do you see in in Portland around the the Occupy movement there? How do you feel about it? I mean, obviously, you're keeping up to date on what's happening around. Yeah, the I'm states. actually the one of the web admins. I, I actually designed the whole website and all that stuff for the Occupy Portland thing. So I help out a lot. So I, I know what a lot of what's going on, and it's like. It's good. I mean, it's a good, like, again, anything that opens up dialogue to talk about corruption is a good thing, right? The more people that are awake about, like, the crummy, uh, you know, the Federal Reserve, the economic system, centralized banking, corporate control, lobbyists, you know, our congressmen don't belong to us anymore, et cetera, et cetera. But, like, in Portland, it's weird because, like, the, the mayor and the police officers, like, took such a hands-off approach, which, like, you know, if you watched any of, like, the, the anti-war protests here in portland from 2003 they like the police like maced babies like literally like maced a baby right in the face wow. like a mom holding a baby and they like shot rubber bullets at people being bags like uh i mean they they were holding people down on the ground and macing them several times over even after they were subdued they just kept macing them in the face over and over again and these these videos are on youtube of the police doing this so we expected like to to, to be met with like violent force from the police but we had like 10,000 people on the first day. So it's like, you know, if they would have attacked a, a, a group of 10,000 people, they would have had like a full scale riot on their hands. So I think they handled it nice, but it's also like, it's interesting because it kind of stole some of our thunder, right? Yeah. It's almost like, it's almost like a, like a, a brilliant tactic because like in Oakland and stuff where they're like attacking people that like, that unifies people, uh -huh. right? Like, those injustices, those make people that are on the fence about this movement be like, I'm going down there. This is bullshit. Yeah. But like when it's in Portland, like Portland, like they've handled it with such like, even though we still have, we've, we've like, there's so many undercover police officers and stuff in this whole thing. And like, we've uncovered quite a few of them just from comparing like their photos from other like uh, rest around town and stuff. Uh -huh. But like, as I mean, 
for the first few days people were like smoking weed right in the park and stuff and like the police <laughs> were just like chill like whatever and like i mean the, everything is so hands-off it's it's crazy though because like one of the things we've been dealing with now is there's such a homeless huge homeless population in portland yeah you know just like anywhere on the west coast and uh they've all kind of like taken over a camp so like our what started as like our occupation site is now like all homeless you know homeless street kids homeless people and that's something fine. i'd like to talk about actually because we found the same issues here in san diego and i assume probably elsewhere too yeah but something before that there's there's a very interesting connection i noticed between the disconnect of that guy like me checking that dude and him telling me thank you and like smiling and just like giggling at me like it was funny yeah. In the same way that the cops react to to people, like there's that disconnect of we're the same fucking people, but you, yeah. there's almost like they have to to be able to beat somebody like that and not ha- not like almost emotionless emotionlessly beat people. Yeah, you, there's like it's almost like they're they have a like a like a autism. There's like a a political or there's like a social autism that happens that they're able to disconnect from the reality of being in real life and maybe yeah, again it's, it's weird that power structure yeah i agree it's like if you watch the footage of the, the nypd like because they've been going nuts on their protesters uh-huh. like I, I i always just ask myself like why why is it this blue-shirted officer who's obviously like disgusted at his you know his co-workers actions why doesn't he like have the balls to just be like bro like you don't need to mace these people chill like we got them under control you know, like, I don't, like, you don't see any, I mean, maybe that's, like, hugely frowned upon. I don't know. I'm not an, a police officer. Yeah, like, well, there's a lot of interesting stories, particularly, like, NPR, like, uh, like, This American Life and some of these other podcasts have done stories on how, like, the brotherhood of, of police and, like, fire departments yeah. and those things and how they uh, are meant to stick up for one another. And even, like, we see the corruption all the time, particularly out of the NYPD, which they just had a, a ticket, uh fraud thing that just came out this month within the last two weeks where they were writing fraudulent tickets to cover quotas wow yeah i I saw the thing about them planting drugs on people too yeah maybe maybe that was maybe that was the story but regardless you know that this corruption happens and that you know like even movie you can see it in movies a lot like um that fucking american gangster movie like if if like a, a group of cops are selling drugs and the one good cop tells on them, you know, or is getting money from the fucking drug dealer down the street and they, they tell the big dogs, like, there's yeah. a, they frown upon that. Like, they're they're always supposed to look out for each other first. So it, it's like, if you're, if you're bred into that and you're force-fed yeah. that mentality, I, I think you're like right. It's like or fraternity. Exactly, like... Uh, ask any fraternity ex fraternity member to tell you what their like secret word and handshake is. They're not gonna do it. Yeah, totally. Even if they don't give a fuck and have no connection, they're still. It's almost like it's like stitched into their mind that they have to act a certain way, and we see that in the, these types of organizations. But with that said, that doesn't mean that there isn't those groups of people that that one person that they're always in fact there always is that one person that decides okay this isn't right i'm gonna stand up for it yeah which and that's like and it goes like there's this video on youtube the first follower i don't know if you've ever read that but yeah the dance yeah with the dancing guy or whatever totally but yeah that's and i think maybe that's what needs to happen right is like one police officer 
you know, like in NYPD needs to like make a stand for what's actually right. And then maybe another dude will come out and then maybe more people will come out, but who knows? Like, I don't know. I, I definitely like, you know, the police are part of the 99%, whether they know it or not, Yeah. you know? Sure. And I agree with that for, for sure. And I mean, it's awesome that in Portland, like we haven't had any of the issues, like with people getting beat up and stuff. Cops and, like, are, are mace happy or yeah. pepper spray that trigger on the pepper spray. That trigger finger is just tapping. Yeah. I've I've yeah, never yeah. seen so many people so happy to just spray people who are presenting them very little uh uh physical problems or, or violence. Yeah. I think and it's crazy because like the Tea Party had guns, right? At at a lot of their rallies. <laughs> yeah. And like these people are like completely peaceful, have no weapons, and like and the you know, the Tea Party people were left alone, yet this movement is getting like crushed. But I think it's it comes down to that co-opted thing. Like, you know, the Tea Party was co-opted so quick by the GOP. Yeah. And, like, since this wasn't able to be co-opted by the, the Democratic Party, like, now all of a sudden, you know, they're like, oh, shit, we need to put a stop to this. Otherwise, you know, people might try and take back their country. <laughs> I know. And it's amazing. Like, I as soon as Gaddafi was killed, I thought for sure, like, all of Congress must be shitting their pants right now. Yeah. But either that or they're so disillusioned and so – or we're such sheep that they don't give a fuck. But, like, you know, watching people, like, just straight jack their dictator is – it's got to yeah. be influential, you know, to other dictators and, you know, to see what's yeah. happening. And maybe that's what we're seeing such a backlash. But, I, you know, I used the analogy recently um, of, like, like sheep herding dogs, you know, yeah. if you have like a, a flock of sheep, everyone's moving in a, in a certain direction. There's almost an anxiety to sheep herding dogs when one of the sheep gets out of line and starts wandering off. It's almost like it makes them feel have a certain pain, you know, like there's something it feels wrong to the 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 shepherd. You know, yeah, to the, sh the sheep herding dog. And then we see that in the human population. So we all have this sort of flow, this vein that we are all running down that it seems like, oh, here's the natural flow of things. And all of a sudden, a couple people veer off down the left. And it makes all those people in the, not only the people in the sheep herd, but also the people that are supposed to be watching the sheep herd. It yeah. makes them feel uncomfortable. And there's a, you know, you talked about that fight against, like, against, talking about capitalism as if it was a bad thing like because it's the system there's like these protectors that all of a sudden they feel like this need to make sure the system stays moving in the particular way just because it makes them feel good yeah. and maybe that's the same maybe i'm the, the same could be said about me and that dude with the sodas like he's bucking the system and it's making me feel weird about it so i'm yeah i'm that, that could be i might be the she, the sheep herding dog so that analogy sucks. <laughs> Never mind. Erase that one. No, I, th I still think it was a good analogy. I mean, because then the other sheep, the other sheep in the in the regular pack, see those other sheep going off to the left, and they're like, "Hey, maybe we could go to the left too." And that, that's <laughs> fucking even scarier, right? Implants that defiance in their in their hearts. Yeah. So with that, like, the thing I've been talking about lately is is the need for something other than revolution. Yeah. Because really, revolution just reinvents the same fucking wheel yeah you mean just like kind of kind of just like a new paradigm or like a yeah well of... you know people talk about revolution but revolution by definition 
requires violence. Violence, yeah. And at this point, we need to really, I mean, at this point, we should understand that our government has a lot more resources towards violence than we do as people. So clearly, it's not really that great of a fight, you know? Yeah, but we're not, I mean, and that's the kind of the cool thing about the Occupy movement is it's just about, like, it's a peaceful movement. And it, it is kind of revolutionary, if you think about it, that it's like a, it's the, this country's largest protest movement in history. I mean, it's a global protest movement. It's mm-hmm. all been nonviolent. I mean, except for Athens, where, like, there's just... But that's Athens. I mean, the people in Athens are, are like, used to just tearing up their city. And, like, uh, I mean, but over here, I mean, all, all the citizens have been very peaceful. And, like, which I think is amazing, especially given, like, all the tension and, like... I mean, so many people are ready to burst under the scene, scenes, yeah. you know, like, yeah. with all the crap that's gone on in the last 10 years... And all of, like, our freedoms and liberties that have been taken away. And, like, it's amazing to me that that the people haven't fought back, that they've just taken it from, you know, from those aggressive police officers. And I think it's a, it's a great statement because it's, like, it makes those police officers look like heathens if they're just beating unarmed people. It's, like, what kind of freaking, like, caveman heathen are you? You know, like, beating an unarmed person. Yeah. It's, it's... just, like, those videos from Tunisia where, like, the... the the police officers would be beating the, the dude that would just be, you know, they'd be locking arms and sitting on the ground and like this guy would just keep hauling off, hitting a dude in the head with his baton or whatever. And it just makes him look like a caveman, you know? And I think that's, I think that that's the point. Like we need to, it's almost like we need an evolution as opposed to a revolution. Yeah, no, that's true too. Yeah. I like that. You know, like, a, and I've been proposing a total separation from the current system. Now I know that, and that's, super idealistic and i I'm, i'd be down with that <laughs> and i you know to a certain extent i feel like as an artist who's been living below the poverty level but living off the work that i make from my hands for the last 10 years i've yeah. already kind of been doing that you know like i i said recently that i feel like like art isn't that um it isn't that revolutionary right now and there i go using the term or it's, you know, it's not that controversial right now. Like, it's not saying all that much, like, necessarily. But it feels like as... It feels like the the greater portion of society is becoming more artistically minded. In yeah. that, you know, like, there's, a, like, a separation from the system when you choose to live a life that you decide and not dictate that... Uh, that choice to somebody else to decide what your life is, you know? And I think artistic types or even creative types and that, that encompasses all sorts of different mediums and things. I think those people sort of set out to think about this life in a little bit different way. And I think by this sort of community coming together, it's allowing people to see that, that we don't really need corporate America to survive. Like, Maybe that there's other ways that we can go about this system and sort of tell the current one to fuck off. Yeah. I think right now it's just a problem with like, it's just lack of uh, imagination. I would, I guess I can say on a lot of people's parts because it's like, like you, you know, like I've been making my living off my art for like seven years, although it's not much of a living for me. No, I mean, I barely <laughs> survive. But uh, <laughs> at least not recently, but uh I think that people are just like so ingrained in like this current system and just how things work that they're so afraid and they, and not only just afraid, but they just can't envision anything else. But it's like, I look, I sit, step away from the system, you know, and I've been away from it like you for, you know, like seven years. And it's like, I look at it like 
man, like we are such a, an amazingly like smart, intelligent race of people. Like we could revamp this whole system and make it work for every single person on this planet. And like, we could do that. And if, if we did it and like everybody put their minds to that, we could do, we could have that shit up and running in like a couple years easy just because like we're a, we're a smart technologically advanced society. If we like put our minds to it, we could say, okay, we're not using gas anymore starting tomorrow or fossil fuels or whatever. And we could just get every mind in the country to just work on this shit. But you know, with capitalism, how it is, everybody just asks, well, how much am I going to make? Well, what, what am I going to make from that? What am I going to get? And that's what we see. Capitalism produces a wanting. Yeah. And, 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 uh, and that wanting gets confused for a need and then that need becomes a habit. And then that habit becomes like what your life is. And yeah. change for a lot of people is scary as fuck. I mean, th- like for me, for instance, I was talking, I had a, a Starbucks argument on, or not even an argument. I was talking shit about people ordering too much at Starbucks. <laughs> yeah. And like I, to- I called him an asshole. And then some people raised the <laughs> argument that even going to Starbucks, that I'm an asshole, yeah. which I, I totally, you know. I understood that, but at the same, (laughs) at the, so what the point is, is that, you know, like for me, if I, if tomorrow I decided, okay, no more espresso, you know, because that's, I go to Starbucks because they make uh, a very good espresso that's consistent and tastes good. And a lot of other places can't do that. And so if, if I decided tomorrow that I'm not going to do that anymore, that would create a certain level of um, fear inside of me. Right. Yeah, you know, because I have by Starbucks, yeah. <laughs> you're like I can't go in there, and it's because I have a habit, and that yeah. you know, and then go reverse engineer that, you know, I I think that I have a need. Really, I don't need espresso, and the reality is, is that need is just a want. Yeah, and that want like happens to come from a number of different things. One being espresso being so goddamn wonderful. But also, you know, like the marketing of Starbucks. So, like, for instance, like, I like going to Starbucks because all the people behind the counter know my name. You know, you see the same people there. You know, you have the, yeah. the cer- certain experience that somebody in the marketing department of Starbucks, you know, initiated. So, back to that thing, if if one person is really, like, coming up with these, like, schematics, then maybe that's not moralistically proper, for yeah. everyone in the society. And if that's the case, everyone else in that society should tell that fucking small portion of society to go fuck themselves. But yeah. we don't. I think, I think it's funny that pyramid schemes are illegal except for in the United States government. Yeah, it, well, <laughs> the hypocrisy is, is ludicrous. I was just watching a, a, like a, a History Channel thing on people scamming casinos and yeah. there was a guy who was um, minting his own coins. Like he went so far as to send a, 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 a slot machine coin to uh, some scientist to to find out exactly which metals were in the coin. You oh know, he God. made the fucking coin, went to these casinos, and basically raped them for like three million dollars or some some a wow. huge amount of money. But he went to jail for fraud and some other things uh, for doing that. But at the same time, that casino is legally stealing from everybody else because they know mathematically that they have the odds to win all those fucking games. So yeah. they're paying a little bit of money out, but it's and you know it's because it's choice. But it's almost like, well, that guy, you had the choice of to let that guy gamble or not. It, just because you couldn't figure it out, he has to go to jail now? 
How about we yeah. send all these casino CEOs to jail for clearly stealing from their from their people? Yeah, exactly. And why we're at it through all the fucking Wall Street CEOs in jail and all the big bank CEOs. Fucking bastards. I know. I mean, just have a clean just have a national national clearinghouse of all these assholes. And that's why I think that like Washington DC should be scared by the shit they see in Libya. Unless of course that whole thing was was put together by the CIA. In which case they wouldn't give a fuck, right? Because it's like, how the fuck did all those Libyans get all those fucking weapons? Yeah. The UN? The UN just give them fucking old Russian fucking... Weren't, the, weren't we giving them weapons or something? Because we were helping Libya, I know. When when the their, peop- when the their government was bombing their own people. Well, it's interesting to see where all the... Um, the atomic, not atomic, the automatic weapons um, end up like the old, like eighties and nineties oh, atomic. Yeah. Or I keep saying atomic. It's it's scary that I'm even saying that because who knows where all the atomic weapons are uh, are actually floating around at? Because maybe it's that's a scary slip of the tongue. But yeah, like it, they have all these old Russian like fucking AK forty sevens and stuff. Yeah, they're like falling apart and. There's a there's an interesting um, some very interesting documentaries on uh, Vice TV, uh, yeah. the VBS TV I think is the web address, and uh, some stuff that's going on in Pakistan, the things that are happening in Libya, the the stuff that's going on in Afghanistan. It's really fucking it's really amazing, like mm. the the amount of corruption that's happening there, and then like just seeing the way the system works in a place that's so different from our system you know yeah yeah totally it's like a different world it's a yeah completely just it looks like it doesn't even seem real that's like too when you go you know and that's always the crazy thing about if you go to a different country like you know i went to brazil and it was that same culture shock thing where you're like people live like this you know and like a cell phone is like three hundred dollars and like a a freaking laptop is like five thousand dollars because they're like trying to keep technology out of the people's hands well you know they just switched their currency in brazil not that long ago within yeah within the last 10 years or so i would say i I, I don't know the exact date but they had a big issue because their their uh i guess i'm gonna say dollar i don't know what their currency is called but at the time their currency was devalued horribly because of uh the government overprinting and doing a lot of the same things we see happening here but they're they're their currency basically got devalued. So people would try to go to the store. One day a loaf of bread would be a dollar fifty. The next day it'd be like ten bucks. So there was like this severe instability in uh in their system. But they they recently just installed a new a new currency that is actually showing to better regulate the system to make it so, you know, a gallon of milk is the same price week in, week out, you know, with right, with right. slight fluctuations. But Maybe it's not working so good since I guess I'm That's sure the, the crazy thing that I always find is like, you know, mankind like brought money into our societies so that, you know, money could serve us so that we could use money to buy food. We could use money to trade goods and services to trade labor. And now, like, we serve money instead of money serving us. You know yeah. what I mean? Like. Now our whole society is, like, driven off of serving money instead of, like, money serving us. Yeah, and it's not even about the inherent value of a good anymore. It's, you know, currencies actually make money, which is fucking crazy. Yeah. You know, and the the problem is, is, like, eventually I guess we need some sort of interest 
interestless currency to where if you know if lending it's almost like lending is fucking everything up the idea of credit fucks a lot of shit up because people are lending out fake money that doesn't exist then charging an interest rate upon that fake money which in turn creates more fake money that goes into the system. It's almost like it's exactly like that fucking asshole getting fucking Coca Cola, getting the fucking sodas at the grocery store, <laughs> taking fake money. Okay, here is a very simple example of how this fucking system works. Here's the fucking guy. He gets free money in the form of food stamps. Goes right. to the store, purchases goods with that fake money, which is real goods that he's getting with fake real money, actual goods. Selling those goods at a marked up rate, turning. Which is like charging an interest rate for him to get the food stamps. And he's actually getting real money back for it. Getting real money. That real money goes into his system. He's creating wealth out of nothing. Nothing. Which is exactly what Wall Street's doing. And if there's anyone that's actually like mad about that idea of welfare fraud or like food stamp fraud, they should equally be as upset with the way the banking system works as well. Because it's the exact same. Yeah, exactly. I would have never realized that unless we had this conversation just now. That's pretty good, though. I like that. I like that that uh, you can pull that soda thief in there. Yeah, fuck that's that. a perfect analogy though, with like, you know, making something out of nothing. Yeah, and that that's a, what I think most people don't realize is the major issue, is that creation of wealth out of nothing, using yeah. using false wealth. I just, the, I, and again, I just, it just pisses me off that, like, we can't feed our own people, like, things like that, where it's like, you know, during the Great Depression, we have this huge country that we can, like, and with amazing fertile soil, like, we could feed all of our own people, yet, yet people go hungry and starve to death and kill themselves and shit, because, like, oh, sorry, but the money's all messed up, we, we don't know what to do for you. it's like, really, like, we're an advanced civilization, we can, we're so advanced that we can take seeds and put them in the ground. You know, and like feed people with that. Uh, Yet, like we can't, you know, we can't figure this out. You know what I mean? Like people are killing themselves, losing their homes, you know, entire futures are being ruined. Like some kid who maybe could have cured cancer won't go to school now or or won't be able to afford an education, you know, and like all these like losses. And that's that's what I think is the is the that sort of change that may hopefully be happening. You know? Yeah, I hope. Yeah, and that's exactly. that disconnect from the system. Once we realize that this this serious like capitalistic addiction that we have to money, you know, once we're a, somehow able to let go of that and realize that it's not that necessary, that there's yeah. there's other ways to live. I think we move on and start something yeah. new, and then fuck it all up again. Yeah, and then five generations down the line, they'll fix it again. Yeah. <laughs> For three generations or something. Yeah. All right, brother. Well, thank you very much for doing the show, man. I appreciate it. I'm glad I got to get you on finally. Yeah, definitely, dude. Sorry, I kind of got sidetracked. I didn't talk to you much about art, but hey, no, we got I think, some good politics going. No, I think we got some good sound bites for like Fox News, but for the good people. <laughs> let's um, let's plug your plug your shit so people can go at least see the stuff that you make since we didn't talk about art that much. Yeah, yeah. I'm uh, well, my main website is joshuaclayart.com. Just J-O-S-H-U-A-C-L-A-Y-A-R-T dot com. I haven't been doing a ton of shows lately just because I've been kind of like in a transitional period in my own life, you know, like definitely growing out of my childhood bullshit and like coming into my, my own. <laughs> Did you just so turn I, 30 recently? 
I'm getting there. It's like yeah. right around the corner. Yeah. Yeah, that's that shift. There's something very strange that happens in that shift from um, sort of your your tween years into yeah. adulthood. It's like you finally you you actually start to become an adult. Yeah, your own person, and you get get over the the shit that you've been dragging around since you were a kid. Yeah, it's pretty good. But then I hear it, it goes downhill in the forest. So <laughs> I hear it goes downhill. Don't tell me that. Just keep me with the good stuff. All right, sorry. I'll erase <laughs> that. I'll, I'll delete that from the podcast. Good, good, good. Edit that out. Well, you're on the Twitters if people want to follow your oh, yeah, reaction yeah, yeah, on the yeah. Twitters. My that way Twitter they can see all your, um, your Portland Joshua stuff, too. Clay. Yep. Lately, it's been a lot of Occupy stuff because, again, like that's what I've been into. So. Well, that's fine if uh, people want to get out there and get connected. I'm sure most of the people on the of the listeners are already familiar with your stuff. So, cool, man. All right, but let's do um, internet dap. I know I can't see you, but Word. you can see me. Bam. <laughs> Got it. All right, Josh. You have a good one. All right, dude. Take later. Easy. All right, so that was my talk with Mr. Joshua Clay. I hope you enjoyed it. Again, make sure you go check out the website, MikeMaxwellArt.com. Click on the blog. You get all the information. Follow us on twitter at live free podcast and follow me at mike maxwell art and donate to the podcast happy halloween come on come on i see no changes wake up in the morning and i ask myself is life worth living should i blast myself i'm tired of being poor and even worse i'm black my stomach hurts so i'm looking for a purse to snatch cops give a damn about a negro pull a trigger kill a nigga he's a hero get it to the kids who the hell cares One less hungry mouth on the welfare First ship them, don't let them deal with brothers Give them guns, step back, watch them kill each other It's time to fight back, that's what Huey said Two shots in the dark, now Huey's dead I got love for my brothers But we can never go nowhere unless we share with each other We gotta start making changes Learn to see me as a brother instead of two distant strangers And that's how it's supposed to be How can the devil take a brother if he's close to me? Uh, I let it go back to when we played as kids But then change. That's the way it is. Come on. Come on. That's just the way it is. Things will never be the same. That's just the way it is. Oh, yeah. That's just the way it is. Things will never be the same. Changes. All I see is racist faces. Misplaced hate makes disgrace to racist. We under. I wonder what it takes to make this one better place. Let's erase the wasted. Take the evil out the people. They'll be acting right. Cause both black and white and smoke a crack tonight. And the only time we chill is when we kill each other. It takes skills to be real time to heal each other. And although it seems evident, we ain't ready to see a black president. Uh, it ain't a secret or concealed a fact. A penitentiary's fat and it's filled with blacks. But some things will never change Try to show another way But you're staying in the dope game Now tell me what's a mother to do Being real don't appeal to the brother in you You gotta operate the easy way I made a G today But you made it in a sleazy way Sell it back to the kids I gotta get paid But hey, well, that's the way it is Come on, come on That's just the way it is Things will never be the same That's just the way it is